Hey, everybody. We want to thank you all who have supported the show. And anybody who is interested in supporting the show can check us out on Patreon. Patreon.com slash xchateau, or you can find the link on xchateau.com. We have over 100 episodes, and by becoming a patron, you can get access to 100-plus episodes. Welcome to X Chateau. X Chateau. The podcast that navigates the business of wine with unique perspectives and insights with your host, Robert Vernick and Peter Young. Welcome to X Chateau. We're continuing our series on sustainability. People kept asking Anna Britton, executive director of Napa Green, and guest on episode 115, The Economics of Sustainability. What is the definition of sustainability? So Anna came up with six pillars, which are now seven strands because they're interconnected. But today we want to focus on the first one, water efficiency. Anna, can you give us a brief overview of why water efficiency is part of the definition of sustainability? Yes, water is one of the biggest opportunity areas that we actually see in sustainability. So at least here in California, if you're in California, we're in a 1,200-year drought a very extreme drought. And as I've been traveling the world, all the other wine regions I go to, uh, reduced water availability, drought, extreme weather, weather weirding, it's affecting the wine industry the world over. And I think on, on this topic of water, a lot of people think of water, especially people on a well, think of water as cheap. It's not that expensive. I'm not paying a lot of money for it. But what they're kind of missing is the water, energy, climate nexus, as we call it. Because actually to transport, to heat, to treat water, that all takes a lot of energy. And that means a lot of your energy bill is actually tied to your water use. And that energy use is tied to emissions, which is tied to our climate footprint and our climate action. And so this is an area where if you're saving water, you're saving money, you're saving emissions. And it's an area where it goes across from the vineyard into the winery, in the winery sanitation, biggest water user. So there's a lot of new technologies, products, just techniques, protocols for how you clean tanks and barrels that can save water. Actually, one of the biggest water users we see as well as decorative landscaping. So it's definitely still time for everyone to move over to that drought tolerant landscaping, as we call it. Recycled water, that's a big part of the future that we need to be talking more about. And as we work with our members, this is a big area, as I said, of opportunity. So this is a very important topic to be talking about in sustainability. Welcome to this episode of X Chateau. Today, we are continuing our discussions on sustainability, and today's topic is on water efficiency, and our guest is Joan Esteve, the general manager for Raymont Winery. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you for the invitation. So, can you please give me and Peter a brief overview of your background and your role as part of Raymont Winery? Yes, well, first of all, I am an agricultural engineer. And then I went to Fresno State in California to get my master's degree. That was in from 89 to 92, so it's a long time ago that I was there. And um, I had a professor there that he was very involved in everything around sustainability. And I got a very nice background and all that, because at that time, not many people used to talk about sustainable agriculture, no? So uh, I had always that feeling that when I started in the company that was in 2000, it's a part, Raimat, it's part of the Codorniu group. And since ever, Raimat has been very involved in all sustainable actions and is part of our DNA. So uh, thanks to that influence and then my experience in viticulture, because I was born in a family of wine growers in the Penedes area. So all my life, I have been involved in viticulture, and that 
of course, has created me a big influence in the way we manage the vineyards and everything. I am a viticulture man, <laughs> and Raimat is a quite unique winery, I would say, in the world. Because Raimat is a huge property, is around 3,000 hectares, which in acres must be around 8,000 acres. So you can imagine how big is the property. And Manuel Raventos, in the owner of Codorniu at that time, was looking for a place to grow the production for the company, for the Codorniu company. And he bought that farm in 1914. So that's more than 100 years ago. And this was a desert. There were nothing at all, just a castle in the middle of the farm. And the rest of the farm was a desert. And he transformed that after many years to what is nowadays a property of 2,000 hectares of vineyards. And in addition, he had to create a town in the farm because there were no workers there. So uh, all the social aspects related to the community, has it, it's also an important part of our work. And uh, he created the winery. Uh, and that time, he had, as architect, one of the disciples of uh, Gaudí. Actually, he wanted to be Gaudí, the, the architect of, of this project, but he was very busy with the Sigrid family, I guess. And he sent one of his trainees, <laughs> which was Juan Rubio. And the winery is a modernism construction. And also the town of Raimat is also designed by Juan Rubio and with modernism style. So the whole thing, the whole project, it's quite unique, I would say, in the wine industry because it has been an impressive project towards viticulture and sustainability. So you'd mentioned that it's part of the Cordonu group, which is one of Spain's oldest, essentially, winemaking families. But for context, where exactly is Remat located? Because I think of Penedes, I don't necessarily think of a desert area. And, and based on your description, it sounds like this is kind of like a new exploration. I think of Penedes as being a little bit more lush compared to the rest of Spain. Yes, actually, Remat is located in Lleida area, which is 150 kilometers west from Barcelona. It's the most continental area of Catalonia and has no influence of the Mediterranean Sea. And that also has an impact on the wine styles. And uh, that's why it's so dry. And that's why the origin of this is uh, it was a desert, no? because has no influence from the rain coming from the Mediterranean Sea. But the good news is that we are close to the Pyrenees area. So we get all the melted snow water from the Pyrenees. Actually, in, in Valle de Aran, where is born the Garonne River that goes to Bordeaux, just the other side of that, the same mountain, it's born the Noguera Ribagorzana, which is the river that brings us the water to Raimat, and it's uh, pure water coming from the Pyrenees. And that's why we have the possibility to grow anything in Raimat area, thanks to that water. And I was wondering if you give a little details on, so you mentioned roughly 8,000 acres. How much of that is planted to vines? What type of wines do you make? And how much wine do you make? Yeah, actually, out of the 3,000 hectares, which is the total farm, 2,000 of those are planted on vineyards. And around 40% of that production is sent to San Sadurni, to where, where Codorneu has the winery, as mast, refrigerated mast. And is uh, all the Chardonnay and Pinot Noir that uh, Codorniu uses for their sparkling wines. So the origin of those, it's from Raimat. And the rest of the production, it's used for the steel wines of Raimat, 
which is around 12 million bottles, more or less, that we produce here in, in Raymat. Everything is produced under organic production. And in addition, we have many certifications related with sustainability, like integrated production or wineries for climate protection. Even, well, and we can talk during the rest of the interview about many actions that we run related to biodiversity and so on. So this is a part of a broader series on sustainability. What does sustainability mean to you and how does water efficiency fit into that? Yes, as you can imagine, the fact that managing a such a big farm has a big responsibility for us. No, Usually uh, in a standard winery, you have blocks of vineyards and you manage those blocks and you pick your fruit and you make your wine. No, But here in Raimat, other than managing just some vineyards, we manage a piece of a territory no? where a town is inside of that and rivers and uh, many animals and many species and forests and everything. So since the beginning, this has created us an additional responsibility on trying to make this a better sustainable way to have a future. No? For me, sustainability would mean something so simple and so difficult as living a better world than we find when we, we got here. No? And this is more or less in the process uh, where we are, no? trying to improve many things related to the soil with regenerative solve actions, uh, with water, that we can talk now, many actions related with efficiency on water and how we get and use the water, even related to biodiversity, the reintroduction of many species. Actually, tomorrow, we will release what is called Turo. It's a mustela. I don't know in English how, how it's called. It's a, it's a small animal that feeds on rabbits because... We don't allow the hunting in the farm, in these 3,000 hectares. And thanks to that, we have plenty of biodiversity because the species doesn't feel bothered, no? But we have a problem with rabbits <laughs> because there are so many that now we are introducing this Turo, it's a mustela, that helps to control the rabbits and it's a way to improve the, the biodiversity. So that's why it's, it, this is, creates and gives us additional responsibility on, on all that management. So Mustela is a type of bird, is that correct? No, Mustela is, it's a, how would that say, like a kind of rat, but longer, and feeds on rabbits and other rats, or, well, rats and all those, no? It's, I don't know in English how it's called. The, the scientific name is Mustela something. It's, <laughs> Uh, probably you can check it in the internet. Yeah, it looks like a ferret, maybe. Yeah, it's a kind of, yeah. They get inside of where the rabbits are and they push them away and they, they are quite aggressive with the rabbits. Tomorrow we'll have the release of the first eight ones, trying to introduce them in, in the farm. So you mentioned you don't have the Mediterranean influence, it's a desert. How does that make, and you rely on water from the Pyrenees, from a river, how does that make water efficiency even more important for you, or does it? Well, because our dependence on water is total, because uh, we have very poor soils, as you can imagine, having this origin. And probably there is a good example, or a very nice example that explains that, because uh, some years ago we used to receive the water through a channel, an open channel, coming from this river that I said, well, it's a reservoir, it's Pantada Santana, it's where it's uh, the origin of this channel, no? Six years ago, we transformed this open channel to a pipe, a big pipe, one meter, one meter diameter pipe, to bring the water with natural pressure 
thanks to that investment that was up to 4 million euros, so it's a big investment and the payback of that at that time was more than 50 years. So it uh, was not easy to convince the owners of the company at that time to invest in a, such a long recovery of this investment. But nowadays, probably with the cost of the energy is only 20 years because the energy has increased by, by three, the cost. But this is a very good example that now we can bring the water with natural pressure with no need to pump for irrigation just because we take it upwards. And in addition, because it, it's inside of a pipe, we have uh, no loses on evaporation or many leakage that used to be in the open channel. No? So only for that, we have calculated a saving of 15% of the water, which is quite good. And in addition, all the energy pumping, that it's a lot. Only the energy pumping, we calculated that was around 2,700 megawatts of power, which is equivalent to 1,400 tons of CO2 per year. So it's quite a lot. No? And this is a good example that we can be more efficient doing the same, no? just making an investment like this. And for sure that the next generation will find something or the future generations, they will, won't need to pump using energy anymore to irrigate our farm. No? I'm curious if you have some other examples of key ways that you've made your water usage more efficient. Any as specific as you can? Yes, yes. There are many because the last 20 years we have a, a research unit. It's called the Unit Mix IRTA and Codorniu. IRTA is a research institution that has a lot of cooperation also with Davis related to irrigation. And the last 20 years, we have developed more than three or four uh, research projects per year. At the beginning, we had different ways. Eh? First of all was to identify when is required the stress to apply in the vineyard because of viticulture to make grapes is very important to apply some kind of a stress in a specific periods of the cycle of the vine. And depending on the wine style that you want to make, it's not the same making a Cabernet for aging than making a young and fresh Chardonnay. The strategy of irrigation, it changed completely. So the first goal was to know better when to apply a stress and how much stress do we want to apply to the vineyards. No? And we have run many projects on that direction. Once we know what we want to do, the next step was to translate that to the farm. And that's probably the most difficult part of it, because we may know that we want to apply this level of stress to a Cabernet when it's in Verizon, but to apply that in a very variable soil in a huge vineyard is not that easy. So we had to transform all our irrigation blocks to feed them with the soil, with the soil um, depth and with the soil uh, texture, because if not... If you try to apply the same irrigation in the whole block, probably there is one part of the field that you are over-irrigating because it's a deep soil and very fertile soil. And probably there is another part of the soil that is under-irrigated because it's a very shallow soil with no field capacity or water holding capacity. No? So first of all, we had to adjust or readjust all our irrigation blocks to that situation, to the variability that we have in, in our soils. And then the following step was adjusting the different levels of irrigation according to that soil. Now, for example, there are pieces of the 
our vineyards that we don't irrigate at all during the whole season because it's a very fertile soil. And there are many uh, areas that we have to irrigate, let's say, every day, three hours, because it's a very shallow soil that there is no holding capacity, no? And it's almost gravel or everything and with no, or with very low organic matter or, or with very low clay, no? So this has been a process of the last 20 years to adjust that strategy to each corner of each block of each farm, no? of each vineyard. And thanks to that, we have calculated that we have saved around 1,000% of water, but it's an average because in some places we are irrigating more and in other places we are irrigating much less. No, So it's, it's the deficiency here, it's difficult to measure because the important thing is to get the objective, especially related to quality. So in terms of the factors that you're looking at when you're studying your vineyard, you're looking at the soil type, I'm assuming exposure, but you're also looking at the grape variety in the time of year in which the plant needs it. Are you also looking at vine age? I'm assuming that younger vines, maybe with a less developed root system, maybe need more water than other ones. Is that a factor that you're looking at as well? Yes, all the parameters are very important. The variety, the, as I said, the wine objective, which kind of wine you want to make. And that create, or the, there is a need of a different strategy of a stress, especially. The, the age of the vineyard, because usually it's related, very old vineyards has a much deeper roots and they, they can compensate the stress in a much better way than very young vineyards. Of course, all, all those parameters are very important. No? But the most difficult part that we have found is to translate the strategy to the reality of the vineyards and the reality of the soils. No? That was probably the most difficult part. That's why we developed our own company, was a spin-off of the Viticulture Department. That's a company called AgroPixel, that is a precision viticulture company that gives consulting not only for our services, but also for the other wineries, in, especially in the north of Spain, that give them advice on how to manage variability. And uh, irrigation is probably the most important tool to manage that variability and try to make a better quality grapes and wines. And when you look at water efficiency at a winery, it's not just in the vineyard. You also look at in the cellar as well. I'm curious on what efficiency gains have you put in place in the cellar? Yes, we have introduced many things. The first one of them was to measure the water consumption in different areas of the winery. No? And the first surprise was that we had some leakages that only fixing that, we save a lot of water. Because if you take the measurement, let's say, in a Sunday afternoon, should be zero, no? the consumption of water, and we found out that there was some water consumption. So the, the, first, the first success was uh, fixing the leakages. And then the second one has been introducing many tools other than, than uh, work on the people to use the minimum water as possible, but we have introduced some technology, let's say using uh, hot water for cleaning, which is more efficient than just cold water, and also using nozzles in all our hoses to wash. And in addition, for example, we are using actually is a technology that came from California. It's a UV light to disinfect the tanks instead of using water. It's a Blue Morph uh, company that operates only in California. I think that probably we are one of the few customers out of California. Well, and, and monitoring the water consumption and trying to identify places where we can save water and we can optimize the use of the water. No? That, that has been 
most of the process. Because we also part, we were one of the founders of uh, wineries for climate protection in Spain. That at the beginning we were a five five wineries. Now probably we are around twenty. And one of the compromises of that uh, certification is to save water and energy year after year. I think uh, you have to sustain an average of around 5% saving. Some years we have saved, let's say, 15% and others uh, zero because we have much more crop and <laughs> it's much more difficult. But in an average, we have maintained this 5% saving. And probably now, we, the last five years, probably have saved around 30 or 40% of the water use in the winery. And is that 5% year over year, the target? So it's always as an average, smaller than, yeah. as an average. Yeah. got it. Yeah. Okay. So you've been doing this, this study for 20 years. What is the total savings that you've achieved for this specific vineyard then for Ramon? In vineyard, that is where we use more water than any other place. It's around 30%. And a big part of this is thanks to the channel, the, the transformation of the open channel to the pipe. And the rest, managing the vineyard and trying to, to use the less water as possible. And in addition, in the vineyard, we also have introduced, actually, we have around 300 hectares that we use a system called PRD, is partial root drying. I don't know if you are familiar with it. This was developed in Australia. The concept, we introduced it at the beginning, trying to improve quality of the wines, but it's a system that irrigates the two sides of the vineyard, of the vine, and every 15 or 20 days, you shift from one side to the other one. So you maintain part of the roots dry, and the rest of the roots, you are irrigating water. No? So instead of having one pipe, you have two pipes with drippers. And thanks to that, what you do is to maintain the vine with a permanent signal of a stress, because... When the roots get dry, they make a signal to the vine saying, hey, I'm getting without water, so I have to close a stomata, I have to reduce transpiration, and that's why you save water. But on the other side, you are giving plenty of water. So you maintain the vine in a permanent signal of stress, but it's a false stress because you are giving the water in the rest of the root. No? Using this system, you can save around 40% of the water. You have a little bit less production, but better quality, but the water savings are very important. No? And these, all the new plantings, especially for the reds, that is where we want to maintain more uh, stressed vines. We are, all the new plantings, we are using this, this system, the, the partial root drying. No? And I'm curious, because that sounds like an investment in infrastructure to be able to have two irrigation lines on each side. How do you factor in the cost of that, so that as you make this pitch to roll out this in the vineyards, what is the is there an incremental cost per hectare or? It's not that costly because uh, actually the only difference is two pipes instead of one pipe. But the emitters are the same, so the cost of the pipe is not the biggest cost. It's not well nowadays. It's much more expensive because it's a polyethylene product, no? But it's probably a little bit. This can be um, let's say ten or or 15% of the cost, and the rest of the cost is because we have double tertiary uh, lines to supply the water to the two sites. No? So, but the, probably the, the most expensive part, which is the emitters, those are exactly the same, so it doesn't come from there. No? So um, as an average, you can it's probably around 20-25% more cost, so it's, it's not that costly. So with a target of already reducing 30%, 
in the vineyard through irrigation, and you have a target of reducing 5% year over year, how much more efficient do you think Gramat can be? Mm. That's a very difficult question because I have the feeling that we are closer to the end. No, Of course, there is always room to improve because you can always identify places where you can do it better. And my guess is that we can be probably more or less a little bit more efficient, but my guess is that we will use more water in the future because the global warming, it's increasing temperatures and that means to apply more water to compensate the transpiration of the vines. The transpiration is just to refrigerate the vine. It's a physical action of any plant just to maintain the internal temperature lower like the like ourselves when, when we transpirate. No? So the more temperature there is out there, the more water we will use in the future. And this will make this much more difficult to sustain this amount of water no? in terms of water consumption. Another thing is to be more or less efficient to apply this water. But in the future, I guess that we will use more and more water. It definitely sounds like the winery is dependent on the water that's coming down from the Pyrenees through that river. Is that water supply at risk due to climate change? Not at all. We are in an area that most of the crops that are grown here is corn and alfalfa. And those crops need around 8,000 cubic meters or 800 millimeters of water when we irrigate for viticulture that we are the only farm of vineyards in the area, we use 150 millimeters. So um, before we have, we have no enough water, the rest of the area will be a disaster, a completely disaster. No? I, I hope that we will never see that. <laughs> Actually, in the Pyrenees, it's snowing and it's raining, and at the moment, it's not bad at all. Well, this year, it's quite dry. This year, this year is a bad year, but we hope that this winter... We'll have some snow and we can sustain agriculture in this area. So do you have a sense of, both from the winery and the vineyard perspective, how much investment you've made as a company to improve your water efficiency? Well, the most important one was the channel, the transformation of the open channel to the pipe. This was around 400 million, 4 million euros. It's more or less 4 million dollars. And the rest in the vineyards, considering the PRD plus all moving all the, the sectors, the irrigation blocks to match them with soil and all that, I don't know, can be an additional million euros. And in the winery, not much. In the winery, I would say a uh, hundred thousand maximum. Another thing is the payback of that, no, the, the ROI of, of that, because it's difficult to be in a company that Nowadays, investments with uh, ROI lower than three years is difficult to defend. No? But we were lucky that when the family was in the company, they were very sensitive to that because they knew that what they have, it came from their grandfather that invested in, in this farm. And they were sensitive to improve the sustainability for the future generations. And, and it was more... Um, Something that was more sentimental, let's say, because it's related to family and, uh, and a family business. You have to think that Codorniu is the oldest company in Spain. It was founded in 1551 and is among the 20 oldest company in the world. No? And, and, and three years ago was still a family company. No? 
So that helped a lot to, to do all those investments and, and efficiency and at the end is sustainability because one of the good news of sustainability is that it's, it's profitable. So the more sustainable you are, the better business you have because saving water means saving power and means saving a lot of money. And if that relates also to make better quality wines, the return of that is much bigger, but it's sometimes it's difficult to measure. As the Cordonneau Group is quite large and has multiple wineries, I'm curious on what investments are being made in the other wineries based on the learnings from what you've done at Raymont Winery. Because of the size of Raymont Winery and because agriculture here is a very important part of our business, most of the research that we have done in, in Raimat then is translated to the rest of the, the farms and wineries of the group. It's like Raimat usually is the pilot of all that, no? And then that's translated to others. For example, when, when we use it, that was in 2002, more or less, when we started using mating disruption to control our main pest, which is a grape moth. After the success of Two or three years, we implement it in Codernia Winery, where we have around 2,000 hectares of uh, wine growers that supplies us there. So we introduced them making disruption. We also did in, in Rioja, in our winery, in Bodegas Bilbaínas, in Rivera del Duero. When in California, I remember that was a problem with the same pest with Lovesia. We advised the community in, in Napa, and of course, Artisa was also one of the one that introduced the mating disruption to control the lovesia. And we give them also some advice because we had a long experience with that. So more or less, Raimat is it's the center of, of the research, especially viticulture research. And then we use the good things. We try to implement it in the rest, like AgroPixel activity, no? AgroPixel, which is this precision viticulture company that we give service internally to our wineries, but also to other wineries in Spain, no? as, a, as an independent company. No? And because we thought that what is useful for us, it can be useful also for others. No? So in improving your water efficiency, do you think that's impacted positively or negatively the quality of the wines at all? Of course. Yeah, that was the main driving force, improved quality. Because we had, we knew that we had many blocks with a big variability. No, uh, Let's say the bottom part of a block that is too vigorous with too much crop or too much canopy and shading and bad quality, let's say, measurements because of that shading. And in other parts of the block that they have very poor soils with too much stress and uh, even burn fruit with loss of quality. No, So thanks to this, making these irrigation blocks differently and irrigation differentially as a management units completely differentiated, we have improve the canopy in, in the poor areas and we have reduced the canopy in the two vigorous areas, no? And that has been translated to a, a big improvement in quality and saving water in some places and using more water in others, of course. So as an industry, in the wine industry, what do you think are the most important things people should know about water efficiency? I think that from the point of view of business, the most important one is that it's a good business to be efficient. <laughs> Another thing is the payback of that. If you need a payback of three years, let's say, it's difficult to demonstrate because usually it takes a little bit longer. No? 
in agriculture, everything is slow. <laughs> and many companies in the wine industry, probably you, you can convince owners to do that, those kind of things because there has an impact on quality. Probably in other business is more difficult. But I think the most important is that you save money, you know, in a long-term run. And the more sustainable you are, of course, there is other uh, environmental improvements, no? <laughs> Just why do you have to apply more of something if you don't need to do that, no? Any kind of saving it has a balance in the, or an impact in the environment. So one of the comments you made earlier is that if you don't have a return on investment less than three years it becomes hard to justify as a business, but yet you still made the investment. I'm wondering as an industry, do you think we have to, as we start to think about water efficiency and investments, do you think the wine industry needs to take a larger viewpoint of return on investment or like how does that mindset need to change in order to adapt this in more places? For sure. As I said, if we want to leave a better world to the future generations, we have to think in a long-term run. We cannot think in a in uh, five years ahead, because some of these investments is difficult to justify in, with a ROI lower than that. No, now, If you move all the irrigation blocks in a vineyard, someone may ask, well, why do I need to make this? Because I already get, let's say, 10 tons per hectare. No? no, and the answer is, no, no, you will get the same, 10 tons per hectare, but you will get a little bit more in the poor areas and a little bit less in the too big those areas. No? So it's difficult. Unless it's a relation with quality, no? And from the point of view of quality, especially in the wine business, I think that we have better arguments compared to other crops like corn or, or almonds or, or whatever, no? In those crops, it's much more difficult to justify because probably viticulture or, or winemaking, or it's the only agricultural crop that the better quality you make, the more money you make, no? Or in other words, no? not making more crop, you have better business, no? It's probably the, the only the only one in the whole agriculture business that is not related to yield, <laughs> the business, no? So quality is very important, of course. So how quickly do you usually see the improvement in quality when you make a change, like what you've done in the vineyard? Do you see that quality change? It's huge. The improvement is huge. It's huge because having, you can imagine just, in a block of Cabernet with 10% of uh, too vigorous Cabernet with too much shading and canopy, it gives you that uh, flavor of uh, green pepper that destroys or that, that uh, makes bad the whole tank, no? the, the whole block. Just because you have, uh, I don't know, one per mil amount of that substance uh, spoils the whole thing. no. So just fixing that, you get a big improvement already, you know. During some years, we did differential harvest, at least to separate those parts of the block, no, and make the wine different. And the quality was impressively different. So there is there is more difference between the variability in a block than between blocks. When you mix everything, it's an average of everything. But when you separate it, you start feeling how different is that, no? And and when you feel that, <laughs> you have the need to fix that because uh, it's very, very different, uh, the quality. And sometimes it's not a question on better or worse. It's a question on if I want to use this wine for aging or I, I want a young wine and probably I want more freshness, more fruit or whatever. No, But it's important to understand at least where you have the problem and how to fix it. 
an irrigation is is a very important tool. Yeah. So it sounds like it's almost immediate as soon as you start changing the irrigation, it, that vintage becomes evident to you. At the beginning, just just a curiosity, when we start doing this, we were applying like let's say twenty percent more water in the poor areas and twenty percent less water in the too vigorous areas, no. And the following year, no differences. And year by year, we were putting more extreme situations. No, we, we reached the level of not applying water at all in the vigorous areas and applying like double of water in the poor areas. And then you start seeing differences. The soil is so powerful. It has so much influence. There is nothing to do with a soil of two meters depth with clay related with a stony soil with 30 centimeters depth. No. It's a completely different history, and, and sometimes you manage the same because it's part of if a vineyard block. And that's probably the biggest change that we feel uh, when we started introducing all this technology. Great. Well, thank you. We'd like to wrap up every episode on a personal note. So we're curious, what was the most memorable wine you've had in the last year, and who did you drink it with? <laughs> this is a nice history, too, because... We are in a process in the appellation. We are called Costes del Segre, which is the river that comes from the Pyrenees. And a group of wineries, we are introducing a lost variety that was cultivated in the Pyrenees area. No? It's called Trovat. It's not in the market. It doesn't exist yet as a wine. And a last vintage, we get some Trovat and we make some Trovat wine. It's a red variety. And uh, we got some stakes from, well, pieces of wood from different abandoned vineyards or in the middle of the forest, and we converted to a vineyard. And we tasted this wine six months ago that was a little bit aged already. And it's, it was a very strange feeling because it was so different from everything that I don't know if it's the best or the worst in the world, but it was so different that it was so exciting to have the taste of that variety which is, is not very intense in color, but the flavors and it's very elegant fruit and, and very, I don't know, it's a, a really different wine. No? And that generates me a, a very strange feeling no? that, and a very nice feeling too. And I taste it with the winemaker, we both together. We, we taste the first Trovat wine from, the, from a barrel that we had there. Well, that sounds interesting. I look forward to seeing that grape come onto the market at some point. John, we want to thank you for your time and sharing all these great examples of what the Rymont Winery is doing for water sustainability and water efficiency. We greatly appreciate all of your insights and knowledge that you've shared with us today. Thank you for the invitation. And if any time you plan to come to Spain, please feel free to come to Rymont and, and you can see it uh, and you can touch it. <laughs> and I guess that you will have a different feeling than just in a talk. <laughs> so feel free to come anytime. Don't forget to support the show at xchateau.com or patreon.com slash xchateau. Thanks for joining us. If you loved this episode of X Chateau, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.